Hi, welcome to Get In, the connected vehicle podcast from BlackBerry. I'm your host, Steve Kovsky, and with this series, we'll be diving into what the future of transportation just might look like. I've got a guest today who I'm proud to call a colleague, and he's been involved in the automotive industry since the time most of us were still playing with Hot Wheels. I'll let him introduce himself. Thanks, Steve. Hi, uh, Peter Verk. So I'm the vice president of uh, Ivy for both product and ecosystem at BlackBerry. Peter, I've got a feeling that if we cut you, you would bleed motor oil instead of blood. So give us a sense of how you started in all of this. Steve, that's a possibility. I would say motor oil with some uh, chipsets, maybe and some soldering, um, as I'd, I'd like to bring tech and automotive together. I guess my journey started pretty much when I was at high school, um, you know, uh, early into my teens, had a passion for cars. Um, and I used to spend most of my holidays or summer holidays with my uncle repairing some of his, uh, his vehicles, you know, Ford Fiestas, Ford Escorts and so forth. And then my journey started pretty much on hey, what am I going to do when I finish high school? What are the next steps? And for me, um, it had to be cars. That was it. I was sold. That was my dream. And I was very fortunate to uh, go on to an apprenticeship scheme with a company which was called Rover Group back then um, in 1995. So that kind of started my journey of education, further education, and hands-on automotive experience. And back then, um, cars were quite different, you know, a little bit more traditional, not so much technology in them. Um, but, you know, the great driving machines they are today. And, you know, if I think back, what, that's over 25 years ago, how things have changed. But I've been very fortunate to be on that journey to see cars change, make them, you know, they become safer, more technological, but greater environments to be in. And um, I've been also very lucky to be part of that, uh, that story and that tradition as it's carried on to where we are today. And it's become a global story because of, of uh, the trajectory that that car maker took over the years and the, the ownership that really moved around the world. Tell us a little bit about the changes that you saw uh, occurring within your part of the automotive industry. That's a good point you raise. And it's a funny story I've shared with many friends and you know colleagues, which is I worked for one company or one contract for 25 years, but many different companies during that uh, period. Uh, when I first started, Rover Group had just been taken over by BMW Group um, uh, back then. And it was, you know, Rover Cars, a British um, car company who, you know, owned Land Rover and that iconic brand Mini, those traditional Minis that we used to see on the road. Um, and, you know, we merged those pieces together, shared technology and engineering. But then in 2000, um, it changed. BMW decided it was going to change things. So BMW held onto the mini brand. Um, Rover Group was sold onto a different division. And then Land Rover, the 4x4 um, aspect, actually got sold onto Ford. Um, and then through the Ford ownership, and they obviously owned uh, Jaguar at that time, um, they merged Jaguar and Land Rover together. And during those days, they had this division of Ford called PAG, Premier Automotive Group, where we had brands like Lincoln, um, Aston Martin, Volvo, and obviously Jaguar and Land Rover. And uh, I was very fortunate to work on some of those cars. In fact, I remember one of my roles was uh, I was an engineer on navigation systems. So I spent many, many, many weeks, uh, months uh, in Gothenburg in Sweden, working with some of my, you know, uh, Swedish colleagues back then. And that was a great, fantastic time where we were applying um, technology, not only to Jaguar Land Rover vehicles, but also across the, uh, the Ford family. 
And then things changed a little bit further on as timelines moved on around uh, sort of 2008, um, 2009, where Ford decided it it wanted to sell um, Jaguar Land Rover to Tata, Tata Motors. Um, so Tata Motors acquired JLR or Jaguar Land Rover. And the journey had another spring in its step. And that's probably the one that most people uh, remember the most. The iconic Range Rover Revoke, the small SUV came out. Um, Jaguar cars had a new icon. It was the Jaguar F-Pace, where many of the Jaguar vehicles then spun off with that DNA. And then it was the new face of many Land Rovers and Range Rovers, um, including you know many cars that we see today, like the new Range Rover Velar and so forth. Really an exciting time. And that was quite special for me personally, because I got into a role where I could make a difference. We managed to do many world firsts, world first fuel, uh, fuel in-car fuel payment, working with companies like uh, camera technologies like GoPro um, to integrate software into vehicles. And the company, you know, absolutely exciting place to be where we could apply, you know, our vision, but bring that into the modern age of how can we create a new um, a connected car experience into the future. So uh, yeah, I look back at the last 10 years and uh, it was an absolute awesome time. I think a lot of people might be listening to that and wondering, how did you end up at BlackBerry? Because they don't know BlackBerry is so involved in the automotive industry. Tell us a little bit about why you took that perhaps unusual step in your career. Well, I guess I've known BlackBerry for since probably about 2010, um, where you know, BlackBerry obviously had handsets back then. There was Bluetooth technology, but there was also the QNX piece, right? The QNX part of BlackBerry, which was the operating system that's in many cars today. And I think even now it's in over 195 million vehicles. Um, and it's not not something that most people um, would necessarily be aware. So, you know, as a as an working for an OEM, we had a relationship um, with uh, BlackBerry, the QNX part, and you know, it it was kind of where you've heard the term the software defined car kind of really began. You had hardware, and you know, in the past, it was always dedicated hardware to do specific features and functions, be it a telephony, hands free, a navigation system. But then, as things started to converge, you know, modules in cars became one. You no longer, ha- no longer had a separate radio, a separate nav unit, sat nav unit, or a separate uh, tuner. They became one. You needed an operating system um, for them to run on. And this is kind of brought us to where we are now, where you may have heard the terms, the software-defined car, because it's the software that's defining the current and the future of vehicles. And what made me, well, I guess join BlackBerry, it was that excitement. My journey also went from mechanical engineering back when I was a young boy in my late teens to bringing technology with early infotainment systems, um, satellite navigation systems, and then the overall entertainment, um, but also the connected car experience where we were connected mobile phones with the vehicles. And it was about bringing that. And how do I kind of drive and accelerate that vision and dream I had Um, that I've been very fortunate to put in place and take that wider, take that to a wider industry, um, not just one OEM, but for many OEMs um, and take some of that learning um, and apply it, you know, into, you know, different companies and different segments and also new partners. Because one of the, the key things I believe in is partnerships are key. And, you know, when you can make technology work better together with partners, you create or unlock this new level of innovation. And that's kind of what excited me. And it linked it back to Ivy, um, the thing I'm working on now. Which really is pushing a new generation of 
not just car electronics, because cars are the electronics. You can't really pull those pieces apart anymore. Give us a sense of what this is going to enable. What is your vision for a world where IV is running in our in our vehicles, in in our uh, transportation systems? Um, we've we're we're driving through smart cities. We've got connected cars and roads. And uh, where does this lead? Well, I, I guess if you think about you know what many uh, automotive companies have been talking about, the term of case or aces. Probably same thing. It's autonomous, connected, electrified, and shared mobility. That's the vision where everyone's going towards because that's what the consumer um, demand is. I think what we've seen is how we use cars has massively changed, um, and they've become much safer, um, and they've become a hub where you want to feel comfortable when you go on those um, you know road trips, um, but also you want to be entertained, and that has kind of brought and emerged the, uh, I guess, the opportunity and the ability to kind of change what a, an experience is. And, you know, if you think about how we used to use cars 10, 15 years ago and how we can use them now, a lot has changed because of these collaborations and partnerships with uh, a number of tech companies getting together. I guess what what we're doing and what we're trying to you know, bring to the market is how can we make these cars communicate, talk to one another with software in a safe and secure way where we can actually allow and bring partners in and abstract some of the complexities that existed in the past and allow vehicle ownership to change and adapt to the modern time. And if you think about our lives. Our lives are also made up from things that we do at home. I want to use that digital personal assistant. I want that streaming music. Um, you want those things when you're in the car as well as we're on the foot when you're on foot. So it's bringing, I guess, that mobile connected world together, but making sure it's safe, making sure it's easy to use, but also that you don't limit the potential of the future. You know, now you've got cars talking to smartphones so you can communicate with them. Electric vehicles are here where you can connect them to the charging infrastructure. You can do frictionless payment. Um, And it's about bringing a community, an ecosystem is the term I normally use, of partners together to unlock that potential of what consumers will want, not necessarily just today, but also for the life of the car. And I guess just to finish one additional piece on that is when we used to buy a car historically, you know, if I was to wind back five or 10 years ago, you bought a car and it would leave the dealership and its features and functions would remain the same throughout the life of the car, be it 10, 15 years. But now with the technology we've got through software and some of the things that we're enabling with our partners and Ivy is the car can modify, well, can adapt itself where the software can modify and add new experiences, new functionality to the car, be that for servicing, be that for um, knowing the charging state of the car, or even the ideas we haven't even thought about today by simply making that data from the vehicle available safely and securely and bring new partners who can think of something new. So different solutions for even different markets. You know, it's an exciting future and we're seeing so much flux right now. I've got a child who's purchasing a new car and the options just are endless. And uh, the cars you can choose from in the used car market are those that are like a time capsule, like my 2012 Chrysler, uh, the last American hardtop convertible. And I'll 
you'll have to pry it from my you know dying hands um to uh cars that can be updated overnight and even a factory recall can take place while you're sleeping and that car will be uh updated when you get up in the morning and unplug it what are some of the issues that OEMs are facing in all of this flux and and how are you trying to solve those issues it's a, it's a really good point you brought here because it's not just technology has arrived it's actually a change in mindset but also a change in culture and how you develop vehicles but also the components and historically we said earlier on the call components were you know physical modules but now the differentiation is software um, and the partners through you know connectivity that you can achieve that but it comes back to the, the mindset automotive has been you know in you know, it's been around us for hundreds of years in some cases. If you look at um, some of the early um, car manufacturer manufacturers that had cars available, but now it's about adapting it away from the mechanical centricity to, I guess, the digital or software centricity. So it's a change in skill sets change in people's thinking, the change in agility, you know, the fact that you can do things or bring things to market much quicker through collaboration, through software, or even new technologies. But it's also through, I guess, how the industry has adapted to consumer needs and demand. Um, you know, one of the visions I worked on by one of my previous projects was always the fact that I want a vehicle that gives me what I want when I need it. I don't want to have to wait. I want an always on, always connected, and an always up-to-date experience. Well, that's now possible, you know, with electrified vehicles and with connectivity. It's now moving to, I just want something to happen for you seamlessly. I don't want to have to think about it. The car should have the intelligence to work that out. It knows my regular journeys because I've allowed my permissions for the car and the technology behind it to know that. So if there's traffic on my normal commute, it should know about it and alert me to take me a different way. It knows my music preferences. It knows my personalization. So when I drive the car versus when my wife drives the car, it adapts to her. These are some of the things that are possible today. But then as we go forwards, it's also about adapting other things. You know, every summer I drive from the UK to Italy. Great family trip. But because we drive on one side, and obviously in mainland Europe, people drive on the other side, when I cross the border, I have to change all these settings, miles to kilometers, the headlights, you know, from one side to the other. But actually, the car knows where it is. All of these things could be automated. And then, you know, when I drive through France and get into Italy, there's tolls. Well, why do I have to worry about that? Because you know, if we live in this connected world, all of that friction can be taken away from me so I can get to my destination safer, quicker, maybe with some autonomous features on those boring mundane highways, but also go into the fast, you know, um, toll booths and just get that notification from the car to say, hey, the payment has been made. It would speed up my journey. It would take the friction away from um, mobility. Um, but even if I didn't want to take my car, maybe I could even, you know, fly somewhere and borrow another vehicle and have all my settings and preferences follow me. That's the world we're in. And they're the things that we can really enable. And I guess another feature will be that if you decide you want a break and you want the car to drive itself, it's perfectly 
able to do that for you as well. And that's and that's exactly where we're getting to with autonomy, right? You know, we've we've got cars on the road already today with level two, level two plus autonomy, um, adaptive cruise control, emergency braking, which is helping you know you and you know your occupants be safe. And as we progress forwards, we're going to see um, further levels of autonomy where you can give it full control. Um, but there are always times where you want to drive as well. And me personally, I love I love driving. Um, it's for me, it's also a great pastime to you know switch off from the day to day work and and have you know a nice drive on the nice country road. And it's about giving choice. It's about giving choice to users. There are times when you just got to do that commute and maybe it wants to be an autopilot. But there's also those times where maybe there's a nice autumn day where you just want to take that nice, enjoyable ride, have some great entertaining music and uh, do something different. And it's about providing choice and personalization to each individual's needs. Peter, you talked about the importance of an ecosystem and partnerships. And there are some interesting partners involved in Ivy, not the ones that would first come to mind as the obvious choices, perhaps some telecommunications partners, some insurance partners. Tell me a little bit about the coalition that you're putting together. Firstly, it's all about diversity. It's about giving choice. And you've got to have choice in different segments or different domains. Um, because we're bringing the foundation, I guess, of a vehicle-first cloud platform that actually allows data from the vehicle to be shared safely and securely, this can give partners an a, richer, a richer insight on how they can best offer a service or a product um, or an offering to either the OEM, the car OEM, or to the end consumer. It's about choice. Connectivity is clearly part of the, you know, key um, backbone infrastructure where the car can connect um, to the infrastructure, to the cloud computing and so forth. And addition in changes with 5G is making that quicker and faster, but also safer for, you know, vehicle to vehicle or vehicle to infrastructure for safety, emergency services and so on. So the users can be notified, but it also provides choice. There are, and I remember when I was a young driver, insurance was very expensive when I was 17, 18. Um, and, you know, if I, as a young driver, can offer, hey, um, it can share how I drive, when I drive, the types of roads I drive on, if that can help me, you know, have a lower premium because they can see my driving style, the times of day and how far I drive, then that gives me, again, an opportunity to bring an insurance solution in that can actually give me a discount. We're bringing providers in that can provide more details around electrification. So it's not just about you know you know um, large companies that already exist. It's also startups where they're providing real great rich detail information around the battery and the health and the life of the actual battery, and that gives OEMs great information around life, warranty, and um, service and repair. But it also provides the end consumer, the driver of the vehicle. Um, rich information about, will this car get me to my destination based on my driving style? Because, hey, I'm feeling a bit sporty today, or hey, I'm just doing the commute tomorrow. Um, it's giving richer pieces like that. And then we've got other partners um, who are providing payment solutions um, for fleets. So again, providing a safe, secure way of sharing vehicle insights to know I've received X kilowatts of charge. And I don't have to worry about credit card transactions because all these systems are interconnected today. So it's diversity. It's 
innovation for tomorrow, for some of the ideas that we are thinking about, but we bring them to, to life tomorrow. And it's about choice. And this is the thing that we're doing with the ecosystem is bringing different segments in and growing that over time to offer a rich and experience um, as it continues to grow further. Peter, we've talked about the technological and cultural changes that are reshaping the automotive industry. There's also the area of organizational change. And this can be some of the most difficult stuff because you're dealing with people instead of machines. You've spent so much time within the automotive industry. You've seen how it functions and you've seen the challenges it has ahead. How are they coping with this need to reorganize around these new principles using both their internal resources and external partners? So there's not a shortage of ideas. Um, there's not a shortage of innovation. What it comes down to is how can you get this into the market, into the customer hands as quick as possible and have scale? And that's where the, I guess the challenge is because you still have to still do what you've got to do to build a car, right? The chassis, the braking systems, the powertrain, all these elements still need to be done. But this additional layer needs to be added on top. And it's, it's I guess, changing the, the way that which you work. We are, we are seeing now um, many automotive companies shift towards agile development, which is more akin to how software is developed, even in non-automotive um, development areas like consumer electronics. And bringing this together is a mindset change. But at the same time, you also need scale. Because if we think from the consumer side, when many new services or apps, they're built at large scale. But for a single OEM, it's very difficult to do that based on the volume and the size and obviously the market reach. And this is why you need industry solutions that can help that. And it's about providing an industry solution that can meet many OEMs to provide that base layer of functionality, those insights I talked about earlier around the vehicle, the information, how it can be shared, but also reducing the fragmentation for the ecosystem vendors. You know, many of these companies, small startups, but even well-established companies would struggle to do something unique for 25 OEMs globally. However, if you bring this down to a simple interface with an SDK that's standardized across the industry, it then makes that barrier much easier. But at the same time, OEMs can use that themselves to do, reduce their cost, reduce their complexity, but more importantly, bring things to market quicker, safer and securer. And these are the opportunities are changing. Nobody's really on their own anymore, right? It's about collaborating, doing what is needed, that's common, but doing it and having enough space to do what, what you need to do that's unique to add your brand differentiation. That's why we need... Um, to change the way that we work and operate. Finally, Peter, let's talk about why consumers should be really excited about all of the changes that you've outlined and all of the new capabilities. And further, why should automakers be excited about the new challenges and opportunities that are coming up? Well, I'll start with the automakers. This um, technology gives automotive companies, the OEMs, a faster innovative way of adding technology, but also differentiation. They don't have to do everything on their own anymore. They can focus on their value add and the experiences that they want to bring, but also offer differentiation in the different markets they're in, be they in North America, South America, Europe, or even Asia. So that's kind of one of the first things, but it also helps them differentiate. Um, it's not just developers and tech companies who can actually, you know, 
innovate, the OEMs can too. And they can use Ivy to build out those new innovative experiences with software um, that, meets you, that meets their brand DNA and future aspirations. So that's one aspect. I think the other aspect is bringing together a community that can work in the automotive space that couldn't before. Um, you know, we with Ivy provide a software development kit to bring partners together. We make sure it's safe, secure. But by bringing partners together, these are companies who potentially couldn't bring some of these experiences to life previously because of the different ways of working and the way that, you know, models were set up. So that's one aspect. And then the other thing for the end consumers is excitement. Wouldn't it be amazing where the car that you drive is being updated and is made relevant to you, what you want today and what you want tomorrow? So you can enjoy that classic vehicle because you enjoy the drive, you love the style. But the tech needs that you need for it to kind of, you know, book the servicing, to add new content or new services can match what you do at home for entertainment while you're on the move, but then also when you're out and about. And I think it's by bringing these things together um, creates the enjoyment, but also the excitement. You know, my vehicle will adapt with me over the life I've got it rather than as it is today. So this changes the perception, but it also changes the opportunity for OEMs the tech companies, but most importantly, the consumer who will have a new experience every so often. Well, you know, I'm excited to get behind the wheel of one of these new vehicles. And uh, I, I'm excited to hear what are the next developments and and to see what kind of cars are going to be rolling off the line in one, two, three years as this becomes pervasive throughout the industry. Peter Verk, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Well, that's the end of our episode for today. But if you'd like to get more information on the topics or our guest, check out blackberry.com slash podcast. And the Connected Vehicle Podcast from BlackBerry is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes.